My name is Tracy, if you don't know me, and I have the privilege and honor of every week getting to study God's Word, uh, to prepare, to proclaim it to you, and to, and to teach you. And so my hope is that all our ears, including mine, are impacted by this Word this morning and God's truth. We're going to continue on in our sermon series, uh, The Seven Sayings of the Cross, and this is the third saying from Jesus on the cross. When you come to the foot of the cross, what do you behold? What do you see? Why do you come? I mean, the crowd that was there before Jesus, they came to the foot of the cross and they watched. They mocked. The soldiers that crucified him, right? They stood there. The criminal next to him mocked as well. Both criminals, all of them saw a fool, a dead man on the cross. What are you beholding at the cross? After the soldiers divided his garments, after they cast lots for his tunic, after Jesus interceded at the cross to the Father for our forgiveness, after one criminal repented. The scripture says in John 19, let's hear it again. So the soldiers did these things. Perhaps that's the biggest understatement in scripture. Did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Three Marys. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to his disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his home. Why do you come and stand at the foot of the cross? What are you beholding? Why did you tune in? Why did you, are, are you watching right now on Facebook? Why do you come to church every Sunday? Why do you attend Bible studies and small groups? Why do you open up your Bible? Why are you here right now? Is it to stand in amazement and astonishment of Jesus and His sacrifice, His strength and His love? Is it to grieve over your sins and beat yourself up? Some sort of twisted discipline or aesthetic? Did you come before Jesus because you have heard of his mighty works? You need a miracle. You need a provision. You need a handout. Or a step up. Or you need protection from this virus. Do you come here before Jesus because you view him as some wizard behind a curtain that can make all your dreams and fantasies come true. Like this God has a prosperous plan for you. Perhaps you need a new car, or not just a new car, a Mercedes. Perhaps you need a job, or a new job. Or you need to be healed of those aches and pains. You need to be healed of that cancer. You can hear many preachers today giving you that God that says, He will do that for you if you have faith, 
If you have strong enough faith, he will do that to you. But at this moment, at the moment of the cross is somehow, is not about God's plan to enrich you or to protect you or to heal the world's maladies and its ailments or even to protect you from this virus. This moment is much bigger. Or are you at the foot of the cross because you need a savior? A savior from the deceitfulness of your own heart. All the things that you have and all the things that you don't have just don't seem to be enough. They don't satisfy you. You need a savior from your broken desires, your sinful heart. Are you here because that you, you don't you realize you don't belong in this world? Something's not right. Are you here because somehow maybe your family is insufficient? I know. I know you love your family, but somehow your family is not able to provide the joy that your soul yearns for. We all love our families, but the more we're around them, we realize they're broken just like we are broken. And their hearts are made of stone just like our hearts are made of stone. There is a reason that Jesus is on the cross. And there's a reason that Mary is at the foot of the cross. It is not the same reason. Mary is silent, perhaps repressing her grief. Jesus seems rather talkative for a man about to die. For a man in the pain of crucifixion. But there's a reason Jesus addresses her. And there's a reason why it's recorded in scripture. Look. Jesus' relationship with his mother is uncomfortable. At best. At least in our modern sensibilities of the way it's portrayed in the gospels. This is not to suggest that Jesus didn't love his mother. Or didn't honor his parents, there is no suggestion of sin on Jesus' part in his relationship. Surely Jesus knew no sin. But it is a relationship from the very beginning that is disorienting and uncomfortable for us. And I suspect for Mary. But Mary is here at the foot of the cross, beholding her son. And her son addresses her. Woman, behold your son. And he's not saying behold him. No, he's saying behold John. And then to his beloved friend and disciple John, he says, behold your mother. Now the term woman is not rude or offensive, but is not how one addresses his mother. Try it. See what happens. Not good things. In this moment, Jesus acknowledges his mother, but he does not acknowledge her earthly role. So why does Jesus address Mary at all? And why does he do it by calling her woman instead of mother? Well, here's a few possibilities. First of all, uh, which I think are true, Jesus addresses Mary because he's modeling obedience to the fifth commandment. The fifth commandment is, honor thy father and mother. That's right. We know Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. Most people 
presume that at this point, Mary is a widow, and widows in this culture and in that culture are in a vulnerable population and dependent upon their family and their community. So here we have Jesus in his last moment making earthly provisions for his mother, caring and honoring his parents. And caring and honoring, and, uh, honoring your parents isn't just for children. It's not just for children to obey their parents. No, this commandment to honor your parents is a lifetime commitment. And we could talk about what it means to honor your parents in a different sermon. But it doesn't always mean to do what they tell you to do. Proverbs 23, 22 says this, Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Jesus is approximately 33 years old at this moment. And so Mary is in her 40s. So in case you're wondering what it means to be old, Mary's in her 40s. A very sweet and tender moment is happening. Jesus at the cross is providing for his mother, and this sweet and tender moment is disrupted by him calling her woman instead of mother. So I, think, so I think that Jesus is providing for her and honoring her, thus fulfilling the law. This isn't the primary reason for this word and for this saying. Now the second reason is Jesus is not just modeling the letter of the law, he's modeling the, the intent of the law, which is all the law, the Ten Commandments, right? And all of God's laws is the fulfillment of all those is love God and love neighbor. Now, I told you, Mary isn't just uh, his mother, she's a widow. She is a widow that is his disciple. Only John and the three Marys stand at the foot of the cross. The instruction isn't primarily to Mary, it's to John. Take care of widows. Take care of Mary. James 1.27 talks this way, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Or perhaps it is the application of Jesus' parable to the sheep and the goats, Matthew 25, 40. And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. A widow, a woman, a dependent single woman would be at least of these in this culture. Jesus wants you to love them. Jesus wants his disciple to love them. I certainly think these two points could possibly be the reason, and I definitely think there are subpoints and applications to this saying, but. But the cross is not about our application or what we need to do. It is about what Jesus is doing for us and what he has done. Jesus is the hero. The gospel and the cross are what he is doing. So why would Jesus need to provide John as Mary's provider? Jesus had brothers. Jesus had brothers that it would have been their duty to care and provide for her. We get glimpses in the gospel 
that his brothers are present with her. So we know they're around. So why wouldn't it be his brother's responsibilities to care for Mary? Why doesn't he call her by properly addressing her as family? Why doesn't he call her as mother? And this is the answer. Jesus is making family anew. Jesus is redefining what family is. He's reoriented us to proper family relationships. He is making all things new, including our understanding of the eternal family relationship. This is a lesson that God has been teaching Mary through Jesus from the very beginning. We remember Mary miraculously conceived Jesus by the Holy Spirit before she is married and scandalizes her name and scandalizes her soon-to-be husband. This is not a normal, ordinary family relationship at that time. When Jesus is 12 years old at the temple, Mary and Joseph frantically search for him. As he stays behind as they journey on, Luke 2, 49 says this, And he said to them, as they asked him, Where have you been? So why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Jesus reminded Mary and Joseph, and he's reoriented them, his earthly parents, that family is something different than biological. The family for Jesus is eternal. God is his father. God is our parent. As he abandons his family business and launches his public ministry, he starts in his hometown and declares, Luke 4, 24, and he, and he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. A family that started in shame is further shamed by Jesus abandoning his family vocation and rebuking his hometown. Jesus is redefining what family is. At the beginning of the Gospel of John, in his public ministry, his mother asked him to solve the problem of no more wine at the wedding. John, 4, John 2, 4. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Jesus rebukes his mother. He honors her, and he does the request. But there is a rebuke because she is not focused on his purpose and who he is. There is no account in Scripture where Jesus addresses Mary as mother, period. Or Joseph as father, Scripture says Jesus never directly talks about Mary and Joseph as his mother and father. God is breaking in the understanding of the eternal, everlasting family. One in which there is one father. One eternal parent. There is no mother of God. In fact, when Scripture talks about God as Father, it actually uses motherly terms to talk about God as Father. 
When we talk about the Trinity, the Trinity, God is, God is revealed as Father and Son and Holy Spirit eternally. And the foundation of that, that God is eternally Father and God is eternally Son. And the Father eternally has this Son relationship in which the Father eternally loves the Son. And the Son, so overwhelmed by that love of the Father, eternally loves the Father. That is defined for us as father, parent, and child relationship that is foundational, that is eternal, that is based on love. One eternal family. One eternal parent. One eternal provider. Teaching nearby uh, when Jesus was teaching Mary, his, his, his family came, his mother and his brothers came seeking to an audience for him, asking for him to speak in Matthew 12, 48 through 50. But when he replied to this man who told him that his mother and brothers were, were outside, this is what he said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. In this moment at the cross, Jesus is asking John to do the will, to do his will, and care for Mary, the widow, the child of God. Now John's mother now John's family. Jesus is reorienting and teaching that his real family is not by blood, but by those who do the will of the Father. They are his family. Those that are given a new heart and new life. Every encounter that Jesus has with his mother and family is disorienting for them and for us. It should make us uncomfortable. And then here we are at the cross. And he says once again, Woman, behold your son. Jesus provides for his mother, not in the normal earthly manner, not in having his half-brothers take care of her, but he finishes his teaching for her. There is one family, one God, and father of all. And his beloved disciple takes her in. The next we know, we find Mary huddled together with them in the upper room. Mary doesn't belong to an earthly family. She belongs to God and his family. She comes to the foot of the cross to mourn the loss of her son. But at the cross... Jesus gives her the gift and final lesson that the real family, her real family, is eternal. Her real family is a treasure, an inheritance from God. The gift of the cross is this. God adopts us, and he calls us his own. Ephesians 1.5 says, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. 
1 John 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Before I came to Christ Presbyterian Church when I was Newton, I had the pleasure of witnessing the courtroom of uh, family friends as they adopted two sons. The verbiage they use was that this was their forever family. The idea was to bring comfort and peace to the children who lived in turmoil, bouncing around from foster family to foster family. And it is a comfort. And in many ways, Mary was just the earthly, temporary foster parent for Jesus. All of our earthly parents and families are just temporary. They're earthly foster arrangements. Important arrangements, but just temporary. There is only one eternal family, one eternal parent that truly brings us the eternal comfort and security that we need from all the scars and pain of the world. We come to the cross knowing we need a Savior. And Jesus provides a family. Part of the provision and gift of the cross for Mary and for us is adoption, a free gift of a forever family. At the cross, Jesus is telling Mary and John to behold each other as family. At the cross, Jesus is telling to look at each other and to do his will, to behold each other as family. And we need to do that now more than ever. To behold each other as we belong to God and we belong to each other. One eternal family. And to do His will. Loving God and loving neighbor. Love each other. That's His will. At the cross, Jesus is saying, love each other as I have loved you. 1 John 3.16 says it this. By this we know love, that He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers, for our family. What are you beholding at the foot of the cross? What are you beholding at the foot of the cross? May it be each other, your forever family. Let us pray. Dear Gracious Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for this 